know David, and I'm going to give you the heads up. A lot of these David sermons are going to relate. Oh, nursery. there are folders. Oh nursery. My gosh. Nursery. Oh, and nursery. Did you hand out folders? I did. Awesome. You're the best wife ever. Um, if you have a small child who needs to go to nursery, my daughter just ran out. Um, sensing that the sermon was near. Um, so if you're, if you're heading for the nursery, this would be the time to head out. Um, Anne's doing it today. Who, what, huh? Anne. Anne is doing it today. <laughs> Bye, Anne. Sure. Well, I'm next week. Oh, okay, okay, it's not right now. Never mind, then. Don't okay. I'll trade something for next time. What? Doing this on prayer, because the dispatch is in the hospital, and not expected to make it out of this. It's I'm not going to lie. Like, that was my priority. 
do the driving thing, you know, but I already knew how to drive. Um, and, and so we're driving through through um, this sort of downtown area, and I come up on a light, and the guy says, look, I want you to turn right here. And I'm, I'm turning right just as I'm making a joke with this girl, and I'm kind of smooth. And, and I start to come around this corner, and he says, hey, 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 and I'm not really listening to him because I don't care. Um, and I, I hit the curb, and I, I went over the curb. I didn't make the turn, mostly. <laughs> and and I, I, I destroyed the wheel and the rim and part of the suspension of this vehicle. That's and it was worth it. <laughs> and, and it was one of my... It was one of my, one of my, it was the beginning of a long string of not cool in front of girls moments for me, right? Like, that was it. And, and um, the reality of it is, actually, the guy went out, and, and he changed the tire, and we sort of limped away from the situation, and he went and traded up the car, and he kept letting me drive. But guess what I wasn't doing after I got behind the wheel again? <laughs> I, all of a sudden, that rearview mirror didn't seem as important as not wrecking the driver's head car again, right? <laughs> I'm not the only person who's directed driver's head car, right? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else is going to admit to it. <laughs> so, so after that, something shifted in my mind, right? I went from being confident and knowing exactly what I was doing and thinking, I have got this all in the palm of my hand, to the position that I spent most of my life in now where I'm like, I should really take this seriously. <laughs> you know, this car is a dangerous thing, right? I, not only could I wreck it, but I could also look stupid in front of that red-headed chick in the backseat. Uh, girl, sorry. Um, <laughs> and and I, I developed this new respect for the for the vehicle, right? And, and it, it, it lasted for a little while, and I, I had a car wreck about a year after that, and I, I, I um, suddenly respected the car a lot more. And, and it's funny how, like, does anybody else do that, where you have something powerful and awesome and you want to play with it, and when you're done playing with it, you realize that you made a huge mistake and you need to back up and be a little more respectful of it. Um, this is originally a powerful story, but I decided that was more embarrassing than the car story, so I... <laughs> so in 2 Samuel, we're going to pray a little bit as we kind of get into the Word. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us. Help us to um, hear your voice as we look at the Scriptures. Um, help us to um, know your heart as we go through this. Um, and help me to speak with words that reflect um, your message from these folks today. In Christ's name, amen. So, 2 Samuel... Um, David, we left last week, David was, was going to be predicted to be king, and now David is king, right? And he's picked out a capital, and um, he's, he's fought several wars, and he's, he's doing awesome, right? And so the day arises for him to move um, the ark, right? This isn't the big boat, this, no, it was a, this was a, a gold box. Has anybody seen that Indiana Jones movie? You guys know the one I'm talking about, the good one? Um, <laughs> um, this is the ark, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, now David, again, gathered all of the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. So he gathered up the entire army, right? He's got 30,000 guys. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal Judah, um, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by his name, and the very name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart that they might bring it from the house of Abinadad. I should have practiced the names. Um, which was on a hill. And it was on Ohio, um, the, 
sons of Abbott in the dab. Golly, it's over and over again. Uh, were leaving the new car. So they brought it with the Ark of God from the house of that guy who was on the hill. And Ohio walked ahead of the Ark. So they go to get the Ark. Now, here's, here's the background. I got a picture of it. There's the Indiana Jones picture. Um, <laughs> the, the Ark of the Covenant, um, again, was not a boat. Um, it was a big golden box, and it was a part of the, the worship that you would do um, of God during that time. This is before Jesus. This is during the period where they would sacrifice animals to God to make, you know, like like atonement for sin and, and other things. So, like, if I did something really bad, like punch a certain con- congregation member in the face, um, and I had to repent of it, I would have to go and I would have to sacrifice an animal, and, and that sacrifice, the animal would take punishment. That would be its death, Right. And then you would take the blood, and you see those two wings there that are reaching out these angels, right? There's a little bowl there, right? And after I did the sacrifice, I would pour the blood on that, and that would represent, like, like before God, I would be pouring out the blood of this of this sacrificial victim, okay? And and this was something that they did for a really long time. And the ark was a big deal, right? Like the ark, you weren't allowed to touch it with your bare hands. Because um, when God would show up in the in the tent where they kept it and they did all their worship, um, God would literally manifest on it. And so like, you wouldn't even go in the same room with it most of the time, right? And if you touched it with your bare hands, you would die. Um, and so to move it around, and Indiana Jones did this just right, because um, he read this part of the Bible, I'm sure. Um, they, they took these long wooden poles and they stuck it through, on, and there were rings on the side, right? Um, and they would pick it up and you would have priests carry it. Because if you touched it with your bare hands, it was like this super holy thing, and you would die, right? Now, to put this in perspective, that seems really extreme. We talked about holiness about a month or two ago, right? Um, holiness is sort of an exclusivity that's to God. Like, he's pure, and he's exclusive, and he's, and he's holy, like set apart. And I compared it to marriage. This is how I understand it. Like, my wife is my wife, right? I may tease her. I may, you know, pick on her, but I, I love her dearly, right? And she's mine. Uh, just like I'm hers, right? Nobody else gets to touch her, right? Another man comes along and touches her, he dies. Everybody with me? <laughs> do you, you kind of get the idea? I think it cuts both ways, but I'm not sure. Actually, I think it's more like if somebody comes along and touches me, I die. <laughs> and so, um, but, but that's the nature of holiness, right? Holiness is like this jealous, set-apart thing, like, do not come near, this is not yours, this is mine, kind of thing, right? And so God desires that we be a holy people, right? And so, like, as a holy people, we don't, we don't get involved in other stuff that ain't about God, right? Um, and, and so the ark is holy, and it's set apart, and it's sort of next level. Um, and, and even the way it's set up, right, it's this gold box, and does anybody know what's in the box? Mm-hmm. Not the Indiana Jones box, the actual ark. Aaron's staff, some and I think the Ten Yes. Um, the first round of Ten Commandments that Moses gets, he gets angry and he smashes them. Right? So the broken law is in the box. This is the important one we're going to talk about today. And so the broken law is in the box, and over the law is this place where our sacrifices are offered and it protects us, right? Um, so they go remove this thing. They put it on a cart. What's the problem with putting it on a cart? Not how they're supposed to move it. You don't have to hand. That was a rhetorical question. Um, that's not how they're supposed to move it. They're supposed to move it a certain way. God has given them a specific set of instructions. And David, who is taking this pretty seriously, but not seriously enough, does it his own way. He says, we're going to get a brand new cart, a pretty one, right? And we're going to move it on that because that honors God. And we're going to have the army all around. And that will be awesome. 
They have to move it, by the way, because it's near the border of an enemy country, and it had been captured once before. Read that story, it's terrific. Um, they had been captured once before, so they needed to move it away from the border to keep it safe, right? They were bringing it to the capital, and it's a really big deal. They start moving it. Um, meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments made of fir wood and with lyres, just like a guitar, and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark and took hold of it, for the oxen nearly upset it. Everybody catches what's happening here? So they're pulling it along, and the oxen like sort of shift, and the thing starts to fall off the cart, and what does the guy do? Grabs it and puts it back up. What did he do? Touch it. And he died. Um, it was a very happy story. Um, and the anger of war burned against Uzzah. And God struck him down for his irreverence, and he died there by the ark of God. David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah, and that place was called Perez Uzzah to this day, which means it, it can be read two different ways. It either means um, Uzzah's um, breach, where he breached God's holiness and was punished for, or it can mean God's anger towards Uzzah, right? <laughs> it's one or the other. Um, but one way or the other, he screws up, and, and he, he breaks the law, and he had good intentions. Right? Can you do a wrong thing a right way? No. And you know, he sort of steps in and he does this, and it's not like the sin started when they put it on the cart because it's not your supposed to transport it, right? They did it their way, and their way resulted in a problem. And when that problem takes place, someone gets punished for it. Um, there's another picture of it. Um, so David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? We'll pause here. Why does he say that? Well, the ark just killed one of the guys who's moving it. How am I going to bring it home with me? Does that make sense? You know, he stops, and, and it's like me standing on the side of the road with my destroyed, you know, front, or not my car, um, <laughs> the destroyed driver's head car, and looking and saying, Am I really, I remember when that guy stopped and said, All right, get back in. we got to drive it. And I was thinking, You're going to let me do this again? I don't know that I want to. And, and David's standing there. He says, Wait a minute. This thing's dangerous, right? It's a big deal. God, I'm taking God a little too lightly here. I'm not taking this thing home with me. I want that in my house. Everybody with me? Um, and David was unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Thus the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his household. And if you read Chronicles, what happens is they all of a sudden start having lots of kids, and they're all boys. Which in this culture, and in this culture, is an awesome deal, right? You want to have to. <laughs> Abby didn't hear that. Um, <laughs> but, but it's a big deal. And, and so this blessing, like all of this blessing starts to come on this household because the ark is housed there. Why? Well, because if God is in your house, things are going to go well, right? Even when things go badly, they're going to go well. Right, um, and in this case, like this guy starts starts reaping reward off of having the ark there. Um, Samuel Caesar, King David, sees it. Uh, now was told to King David, the Lord has blessed the house of Edom, Obed Edom, if you say it, and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. David went and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed Edom into the city with gladness. So it was that when the bearers of the ark had gone six paces, he sacrificed an, an ox and a calf. 
seriously they do it God's way this time. Why? Because not doing it God's way the first time around didn't work. Right? And actually, you back up and you'll watch people who think, I'm going to do things my way, and they do things my way, they don't work out. Anybody experience that yet? <laughs> um, it's the reality. When we think, oh, I know better than God, um, we get in trouble. And, and in this case, he said, okay, we're going to do this right. They don't have the band, and they don't have the army or anything like that. They've got priests who are supposed to be moving it. And every six steps, they walk six steps, and they do a sacrifice. Why? Because they're making absolutely certain that God's okay with it. So they're offering God something every six steps, which would be great if it was like from here to, I don't know, the grocery store? Not a really long trip, right? This is ten miles. Like, they really meant this. They would take six steps, they would stop, they would perform a ritual, and then they'd keep going. Um, David has a real sense of God's dangerous side at this point, right? Um, Victoria's not here, so I'm going to do this, and she's not going to hear me say it. But there, there's a spot in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, you guys know those books, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Where, where they're talking about the lion, and they're like, well, is he safe? <laughs> and the response is always, no. <laughs> he's, he's good, but he's not safe. And the same is true of our God, right? If we're going to deal with God, we need to understand first and foremost, God is not safe. God sometimes expects things out of us, right? God sometimes puts things to us. God sometimes puts us in places that we're uncomfortable. God sometimes asks things for us that are expensive. Um, God isn't always safe, but he's good and he desires the best for us, right? And so um, David suddenly respects this. Oh my gosh, God is dangerous. But God is good, because he blessed this place where the ark is hanging out, so we need to get this thing home, but we need to get it home without anybody else dying on the way. And so they do it the right way. There's another oddball thing here, as we keep reading, and David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark um, of the Lord, and shouting and the sound of, with shouting and the sound of trumpets. Um, he's wearing an ephod. An ephod is something we don't have now, right? We don't wear these things. What we do is like underwear. Um, <laughs> except it's special underwear. When you were a priest and you would offer sacrifices before God, you would have to wear special clothes. That was part of the ritual. It was the absolutely, we demand this of you ritual, right? So if a priest went and offered a sacrifice before God, they would wear the ephod, and they had a, like, a, like a piece of armor that they wore and a bunch of other stuff. And it was all symbolic and ceremonial, and you had to do it. Right? When you get to the temple, they take this so seriously that the once a year that you went into where the ark was, you would wear an outfit with bells on it. And you would have a rope tied to your ankle. And if you went in there and you did the steps wrong, or you did something that kept God off, or if you touched the ark and you dropped dead, they would pull the rope and drag you out so, you'd, so they didn't have to go in and get you. Right? Because the moment you tick God off, you don't want to be anywhere near that. Did anybody have that when you make your parents mad as a kid? <laughs> and the first thing you needed to do was be as not in the same room as possible. That's this. These guys are taking this seriously. Now, David is wearing the priestly wear, and he's offering sacrifices, but David isn't a priest. He's not a Levite. Levites were the only people who were allowed to be priests. That's like from a generation or family. It's really under easy to understand in this community. We all know who you know the Von Millers are, right? You know, everybody knows this is a family, right? And everybody knows... Um, the Bitses, there's a bunch of Bitses around. And the Durgas, there's a bunch of Durgas around. These are like their tribes, the family line, right? So, in the family line of... What? <laughs> Except for you guys who are from Haber, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> there are Bitses up there. Um, um, the guys... 
the guys, um, the guys who were allowed to be priests were children of Levi, right? They were great, 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 great grandchildren of Levi, and they were the only people who were allowed to be priests. But David is doing it. Now, if we read the Psalms, this is Psalm 110. Um, it's listed in your bullet if you want to read it on your own um, in the weekly list for the week. Um, we find out that David has a special priesthood. Um, the, the name of that guy was Melchizedek, right? Melchizedek was a king from way back when Abraham was alive. And he was able to be a priest because he conquered a city. Like he, in God's name, went out and conquered Jerusalem. And it was something else at the time. But, but he was a priest by his own merit. And we see that with David, and we know one other guy who was a priest in that order, and that's Jesus, right? And so we see the beginning of David reflecting Jesus, right? And he's reflecting Jesus when he takes the ark seriously, when he realizes God is here, God isn't all that safe, and I need to do right before him. And if I don't do right, I'm going to get in trouble, or people are going to die, or there's going to be a disaster. Um, but if I continue to do right before God, I'm blessed. Which is how David plays this out. Is everybody with me? Now, the ephod isn't the whole outfit. The ephod is the skivvies. The shorts, right? The undergarment. Um, and so there, he's dancing in the undergarment at this point. Um, generally, it's understood that as he was dancing before the ark, he shed clothing um, and, and eventually is dancing in his. In his, in his birth, not his birthday suit, he's wearing underwear. Um, he's a king. Is this, a, is this the sort of thing you expect out of a king? Anybody, like, think of the last time you saw a president, like, stripping down to his underwear and dancing before God? Like, <laughs> it's, not, it's not dignified, right? Um, I once read a story about Teddy Roosevelt, who had a, a foreign dignitary with him, and they were out walking, and he stripped down to his underwear and swam across a river and demanded that the German um, representative swim across, too. And he looked at his while. It's just not all that dignified, right? Um, then it happened as the ark of the Lord came into the city that Michal, um, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in his heart. So they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in the place, or set it in its place inside the tent, which David had pitched for. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Okay, so Michal sees him and is like, that guy, I swear. Um, we learn a couple things. She's the daughter of Saul. Saul is the last king. Anybody remember why Saul got in trouble? He offered a sacrifice he wasn't supposed to offer. So she sees David. She sees him dancing in his underwear in front of the ark, and she sees him doing what her dad got in trouble for. And she gets angry, right? Um, we're going to learn a couple of things about her. One of the things that we learn, if we go back and we read 1 Samuel, is that she was somebody who worshipped idols. So she didn't worship God, she worshipped idols. It was a part of who she was, right? And so she saw worship of the ark, and she was like, oh, that's not, that's not how I do it, right? She saw David being undignified, and she was kind of ticked off about it, because we're supposed to be kings and queens, and we're supposed to be dignified, and lower people are supposed to look up to us, right? And then also, she doesn't understand the love of the Lord, right? Because she gets angry when she sees somebody expressing love for God in front of her. Um, further, he distributed to all the people, um, to all the multitudes of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread and one of dates and one of raisins to each one. Meaning they're having a huge party and they're eating fancy food. 
Uh, then all the people departed each to his house. But when David returned to bless his household, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel distinguished himself today. Anybody ever been married to somebody who would do that? Can you read the sarcasm in it? How you made a spectacle of yourself. Um, he uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servant maids as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovered himself. That's translated really nice, right? Basically, he just accused her of stripping naked in front of slaves and dancing around like a pervert. That's what she says. Um, everybody with me? But he wasn't naked, so it was okay. Um, um, she's, what happened to the rest of my passage? Um, she's, she's angry at him because, because, he's being, because he's being undignified, to which David responds, if I can find it on the paper, um, so David said, said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above his, all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will celebrate before the Lord. So he says to her, he says, hold on a second. First off, I was dancing before God, and it was the God that rejected your dad and is rejecting your family. And so you don't talk to me when I worship God the way I'm going to worship God. So they're having a husband-wife moment, right? Like, she comes up and says, oh, my gosh. And he says, no, you don't talk like that. This isn't for God. Um, I will be more lightly esteemed than this and will be humble in my own eyes. Um, but with the maids of whom you have spoken, with them I will be distinguished. Um, so what he says is he's like, look, you may not like what I just did, but I will be foolish in front of God, out of my love for God. And I'll be foolish in front of God, even more so. And anybody else can look at me any way they want. But in front of God, it doesn't matter. All bets are off. Um, put this into perspective. What he's saying is, right, um, the, only th the only thing that matters, the only person whose opinion I care about is God. Not you, not them, not anyone. And if God wants me to do something else that's foolish, I'll do it. Um, any of you guys, any of you men, let's do it this way, any of you men ever done something that was a little unmanly for your wife? Go see movies that maybe you're not proud that you've seen like Titanic. <laughs> Larry. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, his attitude is one of love, right? Like, like when you're doing it for your wife or when you're doing it for somebody you love, it's not that big a deal, right? Because this is you expressing your love. And it doesn't matter. Um, because the only person who matters is, at that point, your wife, right? Um, for David, the only thing that matters is God's opinion of it. Um, we see this with Christ as well, right? Like David gives us a lot of glimpses of what Christ is. And I would argue what a real man acts like. A real man stands up and recognizes that his priorities are before God first, right? And everything cascades off of that. So before God first, and I have a responsibility to my family. How does that work? Because I'm responsible to God, I'm responsible to my family. I'm responsible to the men around me and the women around me, right? But that's because I'm responsible to God and I'm responsible to them. And I may look dumb doing it. Other people may not think it makes sense, but this is what I'm going to do. Um, you'll hear it in relation to um, all sorts of things these days. One of the common things I hear from folks who, who mock God um, is they'll say, oh, well, you believe this old myth, right? Oh, this old bronze age, you know, and I don't believe in the Easter Bunny anymore either, and they mock worship of God, right? 
To which David responds, you know what? God rejected it that way. I'll do whatever I have to do to be right before God. Um, we see it in Jesus' life um, when he stands before the Pharisees and he speaks truth. And they stop him and they're like, you're insulting us. You know this, right? He says, yeah, I am. But I'll do even more than that. I'm not done insulting you because you people are rejecting my God. Right? You're putting weight on people coming to God. Um, Jesus, when he went to the cross, um, when he died for our sins, was literally stripped naked and nailed to a piece of wood and hung up. Right? So he's naked in front of like hundreds of people. And um, the scriptures say that to die on a piece of wood like that is one of the most shameful ways you can die. A lot of people had trouble accepting the truth of the scriptures, like the truth of Jesus, because they would hear that cross story, and it was offensive, right? They're like, no way God to that. That's so low. But you know what? Before God the Father, Jesus the Son, was willing to be as undignified as necessary. He was willing to take risks. He was willing to do anything. love for God that shapes who we are as people like rocks the foundation of what we think is acceptable to the rest of the world. People may look at you and say you're crazy, but if you're serving God honestly and with integrity, that's all that matters. This is what David teaches us, right? We see the same thing in Jesus. We see the same thing in Paul when he turns around and says, if people are going to consider me a fool, I'll be a fool for Christ. My challenge for you today as we go out of here is to ask yourself, um, where's my dignity? Um, where's my heart? How do I reflect God's love and my love for God in what I do? Do I worry that people look at me like I'm strange? Do I worry that people think I'm dumb? Do I worry that people think I'm uneducated? Do I worry about anything other than serving God? Um, examine your heart this week. What's number one? Um, I'm going to argue that for all of us, but for men in particular, this is a standard we're to live up to. Um, and there's eternity attached to it. We find that with Mikhail, where um, the last thing that we hear about her is that she never has any children, and that's the end of her life. That's it. Um, why? Well, she dishonors God. Ultimately, like you cannot dishonor God and expect to get away with it forever. although there are those who think they will. Um, we're going to close in prayer. Do we have a last song? Um, and my challenge for you again today is to look in your hearts and ask yourself, you know, where am I at before Jesus? How do I express my love? Am I more worried about me, or am I more worried about being the man or the woman that God created me to be? Um, we're going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would move in my heart. I pray that you would move in the hearts of these folks and help them to um, reflect you in all things that they do. Help them to be um, an image of you. Help them to not worry about the esteem of others or the esteem of anybody apart from you and your son. Um, in Christ's name, amen.